0: Hi, guys. Happy Thursday. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. And I am your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays. Guys, it's just me this week. I know um, it's always fun when we have a guest. And last week's guest, who was Taylor Lawrence, the Washington Post's tech columnist, was amazing. And she really helped break down for us what was going on last week with Elon and Twitter but <laughs> we're moving quickly in this world I, I you know the 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 way that news happens and breaks and different storylines like we're at an all time i don't know it's like watching ping pong, but like the super Olympic ping pong, when those guys, you can't even see the ball. Like I'm getting whiplash from all of the things like there's Twitter, Elon did something else. And did you hear what he did? And when somebody says that you have to check, like, do you mean what he did this morning or do you mean what he did yesterday? Or do you mean what he did an hour ago? So there's that. We also have everything that's happening in this crazy crypto exchange world of uh, SBF, as everybody likes to call him, and FTX. So many acronyms, or not? Is that an acronym? I guess it's not. It's just like initials, or is it an acronym? I don't know, David. Um, this is when I you can realize how um, far it's how long it's been since I've graduated college as an English major. I can't remember words. Um, so we have all of that, and then some more stuff that's happened today, including maybe potentially Russia, maybe potentially bombed Poland, which just leaves everybody sort of like, okay, are we going to war? Um, And the latest there is that if they did do it, it was likely an accident. So if they did do it, the Theory is that Russia did it accidentally. It was like less than 10 miles off the border of Ukraine in a, in a remote area and a farm and two people died. And I, I heard some news reports that Russia is notoriously bad at aim. How embarrassing is this? Like if we go to war, a world war because of bad aim, like it's literally an 80s movie. Like it can't, you can't make this shit up. But then the latest we've heard is that and I'm sure there's like a lot of diplomacy shit happening right now behind the scenes because Poland is a NATO country. And so the rules of NATO, which Ukraine is not yet, but so if a somebody attacks Poland, you're attacking all the countries that are part of NATO. But now they're saying like the only thing Poland can confirm is that the missiles were Russian made, but they cannot ascertain if they came from Russia. Like... What goes on? What is happening in this world? I I can't keep, keep anything straight. And another thing that's happening, and that by the time you guys have heard this, I will be basking in the glory of what I hope to be the greatest night of my life, but I'm going to see Harry Styles tonight. For all of you guys who follow my newsletter and listen to this pod, you know that I, like every apparent middle-aged woman in America and the world um, has a crush on Harry Styles and is very excited to see this concert. I I really am. I'm going to be there amongst the The teeny boppers and the other middle aged women. I will, though, say I am not going to be wearing a boa. That is just a step, bridge too far for me. There will be no feather boas. There will be no sequins dresses. There will be no glittery pantsuits. I've seen a lot of the pictures that I'm sure you have of women of a certain age and how they've dressed to Harry Styles. It is, uh, I'm going to be wearing sneakers and I'm just going to rock out. I am going with Britt, who has been a guest, and she is visiting from Jacksonville, Florida. And we are going to go rock out to some Harry Styles. I would probably sit there with like a little martini in my hand, and I just can't wait. Like everyone's going to be bopping around, and I just want to be sitting there with – like a dirty, dirty martini. Though I did debate making a sign. I did see, if you guys remember, um, Modern Family, one of a, one of the great shows. Julie Bowen, who's one of the stars of that show, plays the mom. I saw. I don't know if it was a TikTok or some video where she was um, speaking to Harry Styles, like in the video, speaking to him, saying she was uh, prepared to go to his concert last weekend. And she had made a sign and it said something like, Harry, I'm old or something like so relatable to me. She's very excited to go. But Harry uh, actually had to cancel, I guess, last weekend, a few shows because he had the flu. So I'm very lucky I'm going. I am I'm debating to whether or not I will have a sign, a big sign, It embarrassed Brit. But likely I will not. I will just sit there and drink a martini and look at the show but I feel like I'm the last human being on earth to see Harry Styles in concert. Like I was thinking about this when, from everything from like Coachella to every concert that he's done, like the 10 nights at the garden, like I don't know anybody who hasn't seen him. And like, if you look at it statistically by the time this tour is done, like it'll be a majority of the world that's seen Harry Styles in concert, I would imagine. But um, I digress, as I like to say. So the thing that's so interesting to me, and I don't know about you, David, my amazing producer, if this has happened and you, with you, but a lot of the times when it comes to these pop culture stories and my friends, they come to me and they're like, tell me, tell me what you know, tell us everything, break it down for us. And that's how PCM started. And then certainly with tech stories, most of my friends outside of tech are like, can you break it down to me? Like even Elon, they're like, what the fuck is happening? Who is he? What is happening? With this FTX story, for whatever reason my normals, my friends, and I mean like my friends who are moms, my friends who I literally started PCM for because they're so busy with their incredibly, you know, active lives, whether they have kids and a big job or they're traveling and they didn't get a chance to catch up on everything. This is not happening here. What's happening here is that my normals, my friends who really don't pay attention to this shit, couldn't care less, certainly don't really pay attention to crypto, they are eating this story up. They know more about it than I do by miles. And so I'm sure that you guys listening might even relate to this. Last night, I was at at a table with a bunch of people, all women amazingly accomplished, and they were throwing things at me. They were breaking it down like there's nobody's business. And Howard Stern this week, Howard Stern, who admittedly said, like, I don't fucking understand crypto. I don't even understand how the dollar is done. Like, how do we know the value of a dollar versus the value of a euro? He knows more about this. He's breaking down the sort of collapse of FTX and this kid SBF. And and the whole story is just unbelievable how people are completely obsessed with it and know more details each minute than I could possibly keep track of. So I'm speaking to you guys and you probably all know more than I do because I'm trying to get my head wrapped around the fact that we are here again. It seems like every fucking time there's a meltdown of some sort of financial, like there's lots of these meltdowns, whether it's Theranos or whatnot, but when it comes to financial stuff and it's people's money and it's people's livelihoods and it's people's future, you know that, that strikes a different kind of chord and we've had this, we've had so many of these things and the media are like, wow, we really did a bad job. We really, we, we let that one go and we, we should have been more critical and we should have paid more attention But in, and we'll never do that again. And yet they do it again. And I'm in the business. I'm in the business of talking to media and getting them to write stories uh, and bring awareness to companies and CEOs that I work with. But I don't work with companies like this. I don't work with companies where they don't make sense and the founder is elusive and it's people's money and there is conflicts of interest. And this guy is one walking hypocrisy. First of all, we've learned today now, the New York Times did a very big story. We'll put it in the show notes that I'm... I thought I was the only one when I read it. I was like, am I going crazy? Does the New York Times seem to be like writing a puff piece on a guy who's probably going to go to jail and has conned his way through billions and billions of dollars. But according to Twitter, a lot of people felt that the story took an inappropriate tone towards this guy, Um, calling him frugal, calling him like, you know, he he, he really lived this sort of low key life. The guy lived in like a $40 million penthouse in the Bahamas. Like, I don't care if he had frizzy hair and he looked like he didn't bathe. And he talked about altruism and gave his money away and played video games during fucking pitch meetings with venture capitalist and wore the same clothes all the time. The motherfucker lived in a $40 million penthouse in the Bahamas. He is a privileged from the start. That's fine. No criticism on privilege, but he was not like this aw shuck scrappy living in like a two bedroom, you know, I don't, a dilapidated house in the Bahamas. And then apparently he has a, and I am saying this because my sourcing on this is the daily mail so let's call that what it is apparently he has a his new girlfriend not the one that's been widely reported that's his ex-girlfriend who ran his hedge fund who outspokenly talked about her love of amphetamines and was like imagine a world like i can't believe i used to live a life not on Adderall how boring i mean this is all there it was all public but uh, this guy's new girlfriend lived in some, you know, v- uber expensive multi million dollar house that he bought her, according to the Daily Mail in the Bahamas. It's unbelievable how much bullshit people were fed. You know, it makes you kind of question. And I'm by no means, and this is a Trumpy thing. I am as liberal as I've always been and will continue to be. And I work with media, but it makes you question. It makes you question some of the sort of like stuff you're fed by media. And I'm by no means saying that within a lens of Elon or Donald Trump, but like we have to be better. We we do. And I think there's this certainly in Silicon Valley, this belief that. That if you have been granted capital from one of these esteemed venture capitalists, one of the firms or the individual that is really highly respected and, and all fair to being a respectable venture capitalist, but it seems like that immediately negates any sort of critical thinking. Like, oh, well, Andreessen and Horowitz have deemed them worthy. We don't have to do our diligence. We will just take whatever whatever they say. And it reminds me, It was like eight or nine years ago, a company that I worked with that was a really successful big tech company in New York that had gone public, that had not taken venture funding. The New York Times came out with a story of like the 10 most successful tech companies in New York. And this company wasn't on it. And it was by far the number one. And I reached out to the reporter and the reporter was like, oh, I had no idea. And I said, "Well, where did you get your information? Like usually, there's like a formula you go through and look at all the data." And she said, "To be honest with you, I I spoke to venture capitalists and in New York venture capitalists, and of course they didn't bring up this company because this company wasn't venture backed. This company was had been had been funded by its founder, and so venture capitalists did not want to point media in the direction of a company that." Deemed, it's, deemed successful, was successful because it hadn't taken venture capital money. So we're continuing to do this cycle and cycle. And I know this is a pop culture podcast, but this feeds into pop culture because so many of these stories, so many of these companies we're talking about and the falling founders become sort of fabric of, of pop culture legend and of course this is going to become a movie. There're probably going to be four movies about this guy. I mean, we've seen everywhere on on social media the sort of assumptions on who's going to play him from like Jonah Hill to Josh Gad. Everyone's like who's going to play him? Who's going to play him? I am sure there's going to be documentaries. I am sure they are going to be, you know, HBO movie, Netflix movie, mainstream theater release movie. It is all in the works. And we also have one of the great Writers, Michael Lewis, who um, has written some of the world's greatest books, including Moneyball, which is the, a Bible for many of us, and a look at somebody I have known and worked with for a long time, Billy Bean in the Oakland days. He happened to be perfectly timed, embedded for the last six months in the FTX story, living basically breathing with the founder. So he's going to write a, a mind blowing book. And here we are. I don't even know what the latest is, but the latest is that this guy sent out like a crazy Twitter stream this week where he was like, first of all, every tweet was like a letter where he was saying like what and then one tweet was H, the next tweet was A, the next tweet was P, the next tweet was P, where he spelled out happened yeah, very clever. It sounds like an Adderall crash to me. And then he admits that he's like, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. And admittedly, my memory might be flawed. But here's what I do know. And it's like, these people, there are like million people who will never see this money again, who have lost some of them probably entire life savings and fortunes. And it's just gone. And they're locked out. And it's not like the money's going to be there in six months. It's not going to be there. And yet again, there's some amazing financial organizations and companies out there, but the trust is being rocked by some of these just Greedy motherfuckers, and we've seen it. And I, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I don't care. Altruism can cover up, or the appearance of altruism covers up a lot of crimes. It's amazing. Just look at like, oh my God, we're such givers. Like we give so much. We give so much. We're about changing the world. But oh, actually, you're like a psychopath behind it. But we're putting out a good front. So if you could tell, I'm really, really worked up about this. And um, I could talk about it for hours and hours, but we will have a Hulu movie special, Netflix, HBO, we'll have it all. I will say it was funny. And in the newsletter, I said, I immediately do not trust people who go by three initials. And I compared SBF to MBS, (laughs) which is like, you know, obviously SBF isn't murdery. Like, MBS. But anyway, my point was that three initials or should be a red flag. And a couple people said, isn't PCM, Pop Culture Mondays, isn't that three initials? And yeah, we are red flags. My newsletter is like one walking red flag. That's the whole point. So I think that sort of serves my point is that 100% need to to keep an eye on those initials. So with FTX, I am telling you the more of these stories are unfolding. I think the best news about it for the crypto community is that more and more people are now understanding and getting their heads wrapped around crypto like never before, which is ironic, but there is a comeuppance and we'll go through this cycle. Media will, the it'll it'll harm those really great companies that deserve attention that now media are going to be sort of pulling back and saying, Oh, we have to be, we have to be careful. We've done this again. And we're going to go through this cycle and, and then there'll be another one in a few years. We'll have another fraud. We'll have another founder who got ahead of himself, who believed the hype that they were sort of a part of. And you know, who the hell knows? I, I, I will say, I'd love to hear from you guys. Do you think he's going to go to jail? Like half my friends say, no question. He'll go to jail. And the other half will be like, no way it's not going to happen. Um, So it'll be interesting and more to come. And then of course there's Elon. We're still here. We're still talking Elon. Will we ever stop talking Elon, David? Will we ever? I just, I don't know. I just have so many thoughts. Like, I don't care if you come in and buy a company and tinker around with it. And yes, Twitter had some major problems, like why Twitter had thousands and thousands and thousands of contractors. Those are all valid points. Like the previous leadership clearly has fucked up, whether that was Jack, whether it was the late last CEO, I I don't know. But clearly Twitter had major problems. The product is beautiful. The vision is beautiful. And whether it's somebody I like or dislike who comes in and tweaks it, you know, fine. And that's frankly what new owners do. They come in and they fuck around with things. Some of it will be painful. They go and fire people. They start over. They bring in their new things. That's great. That's fine. Elon, go and do that. But why it all has to be done with a 12-year-old sense of humor, and I put sense of humor in quotes, by the way, and why it has to be done with such like like just some, it's mean it feels just like it's I remember there was a that boy in school in seventh grade who teased me relentlessly and I got so upset I would not want to go to school I would make excuses to my mom I would pretend I was sick and I would eventually get sick I got so worked up I would like run to the bathroom and vomit and like you know try to pull myself together but it was it's terrifying and it just feels like that's this kid like Elon is a 50 year old man in seventh grade and he's pulling the, the hair of the girls that he likes and he's poking people and he thinks he's really funny. He thinks he's just the most clever and he's not, it's not funny. And why this is all happening in public, what for us to have to be forced to witness that he's firing people, whether he did or didn't, you know, but it looks like it. He's like, they're fired. He's, he's parading around. If you guys remember last week or the week before I talked about the two fake Uh, employees that got a lot of press attention because the media thought they were the real guys. They were like, we just got fired. And they they were part of the Ligma meme. And they did all these videos. Well, anyway, they were in the office today. Elon was very happy and tweeted a picture of them looking morose, playing in character. He's just like thinks it's the most fun thing ever. Not that, you know, he hasn't really harmed democracy. Not that this the the product has become a joke. Not that he's disrespected people who have really worked in uh, their, their I don't know, last 10, 12 years, 24-7 for, for the company and were fired in a tweet. I mean, because they didn't like him. And, and to be fair, playing devil's advocate... I'm not a big believer of this whole, you know, we can talk shit about the CEO, but you can't fire us because we're important to the company. Like, don't talk shit about your CEO. Like, if you're going to do it, do it in your living room. Don't put it on the company slack. That should not be the world we're in. Like, if you have nothing nice to say... don't say it. Certainly don't say it in company email or Slack. So to play devil's advocate on that, I appreciate that. Maybe don't trash your colleagues in a work setting. I don't think that's acceptable on any level, but still Elon's setting an example and maybe people are following that example. He's doing it in a public forum. So his, you know, staff is doing it. And I feel like Elon is that do as I say, not as I do kind of guy, which is the most like gaslighty type CEO. Cause you're so you're, you're supposed to be a leader. So you follow your leader. And then if the leader is like, well, don't be like me. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do? It's a conundrum I've seen time and time again with a lot of male tech CEOs of a certain, of a certain genre. And I think we're here and I don't see, you know, my, 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 <laughs> I, I got a lot of responses from that clip that I put in the newsletter from the producers, which goes like... Under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Yes? Yes, what? Yes, what you were saying. Keep talking. What was I saying? You were saying that under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Well, yes, it's quite possible. You keep saying that, but you don't say How? Let's assume for a moment that you are a dishonest man. Assume away. When you produced your last show, Funny Boy, you raised $2,000 more than you needed. But you could have raised a million. Put on your $100,000 flop and kept the rest. But what if my show was a hit? (laughs) Well, then you would go to jail. You see, rather than 100% of the show, you would have sold more than 1,000%. So if the show's a success, there's no way to pay off the backers. Get it? Got it. So in order for our scheme to work, we'd have to find a surefire flop. I meant no scheme. It was just a thought. Boom. Worlds are turned on such thoughts. The premise of the producers uh, are that these guys are figuring out what, uh, like, how to make money because they are losing money hand over foot. And this finance guy in the movie played by, and I guess in the, the modern day play, was played by... Um, Uh what's his name? Oh my god. Wasn't it Matthew Broderick? Matthew Broderick, thank you. I'm like Ferris Bueller kept going to my head. I'm like, not Ferris Bueller. So and Matthew Broderick is like, well, actually you will make money. You'll make a fortune if it's a flop. And he explains why. And a part of me is like, is this the strategy here? Is that Elon? Is is this Elon's producer strategy? The producers in the in the play they put on, I think the show is like Springtime for Hitler, at least that was a song. It's a hilarious premise. The entire musical and and movie are hilarious, but a part of me feels like this is Elon's producer's moment. And I'm sure that they will have to declare bankruptcy, which will protect him. And I my understanding is that he has to come up with a gazillion dollars by April. And I don't see how that's gonna happen. And Twitter Blue has obviously been a failure and I mean, who the hell knows? So it's just every, it's not every day is something new. It's every hour is something new. And I'm afraid to look at Twitter, but yet this is why Twitter is so great. The more ridiculous and menacing people are and situations are, the more we turn to Twitter. So in a brilliant, weird way, Elon is, you know, obviously helping grow, grow the brand. But he did say something that was just asinine and, and a sign that he maybe doesn't understand the business. But he talks about, he said that Twitter is the biggest driver of clicks or something like that traffic to anything on the web. And it's like not even, it doesn't even crack the top 10. So um, it's a lack of uh, understanding of like the, of the business. And I, I'm telling you, if you guys could see some of my group texts from people that were either like really involved with the company or companies that he's been involved with, or just so many different group texts, like I will say they belong in the Smithsonian and like 20 years, my group Text as many, I'm sure, but just to see the humor, the points that people are making, the insight, the gossip. I have, I have like the dirt, man. It's unbelievable. I mean, my phone needs to be under lock and key. Uh, My my iCloud needs to, needs like federal protection because it's unbelievable. But that's it, guys. I just wanted to ramble here. This is why I didn't have a guest because I wouldn't even let the guest talk. I had a lot to say about these stories. The content that I talked about in the newsletter that I really want to bring to your attention is I did watch The Crown. I clearly had no life this weekend and I watched like 10 hours of it. I think it's 10 episodes, so legit 10 hours. And I am parroting what everybody else has said. I am just ganging up on this Dominic West as as Prince Charles, now King Charles. Um, It was just like the worst casting ever, 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 ever. Ever, 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 never seen anything so bad. But what makes it even worse is that the casting of Diana is the most hauntingly great casting you've ever seen. But I can't help but think like everybody in that show says, well, everybody knows that it's not, that this is, you know, fiction. Everybody knows. Like you're literally taking real world, absolute real world scenarios that have been documented. You're putting them in the exact clothes they were wearing that was documented by the paparazzi. And you're maybe fictionalizing it in conversation, but the world isn't that smart, guys. Like I've talked about this before, like these these fictionalized WeWork or Uber or whatnot, and they say it's ripped from the headlines. Like People don't know when you're playing the actual characters with their names and dressing like them and all the same people, how are people to know that that's fiction? Just, it's just haunting to me what it must be doing to the children. And as somebody who, my mom died two months before Diana died and my dad died two months or three months after Diana died. that That moment in time is so impactful to me. I remember it vividly. I remember just being in a cocoon of, of grief and then getting, you know, more and more consumed and relating to those kids, Harry and, and William walking behind their mom's coffin, like just a mere couple months after my mom died and having such incredible empathy. And I still do. I have so much empathy for them and what they've gone through and what they're going through. And, you know, I know that Harry and Meghan have made probably a lot of missteps, but like having like your life thrown out, this wasn't a choice and having your life just displayed for everybody to pick apart and somebody cast as like the spitting image of your mom and having these like bedtime stories watching... Like it breaks my heart a bit. So I'm part of the problem. I watched it. I'm talking about it. But I've said this before. It feels ick to me. It feels like I wish there was a lot more distance to it. I'm all for the history of the royal family, maybe up until this period of time. Like I think it's so interesting the whole the whole time around the, the connections of cousins with like the king of England and Russia and, you know, all of that period of time but like maybe stop it while the people are still alive. I just, it's just, they've done nothing wrong. They were born into it or, you know, I don't know. I have a lot of, I have a lot of opinions on it, but again, I watched it. So I'm part of the problem. Um, okay. Well, I'm not going to do, I mean, my Mary and make out are just all Harry Styles tonight. Cause that's all I want to do is like hang out and, and jam out with my, my friend Brit and my dirty vodka martini. And I want to mute I just want Elon to mute himself, please, for the love of God, just give us a break. And I know those are the famous last words. So with that, and I hope by next week we are not in World War III. I hope that we can have a really beautiful Thanksgiving next week and we can celebrate and we're not, you know, dodging war because that sucks. And we've already had a fucking hell of a last few years. The last thing we want is World War III to add to that. Um, but on a brighter note Did I tell you guys I'm going to see hairstyles tonight <laughs> I will report back In next week's newsletter And um, We will have a podcast Next week It's just gonna be Get ready Get ready Breaking news Pop Culture Mondays On Thursdays On Wednesdays So how about that We're gonna be a little Pre-Thanksgiving treat And I'll see you then And until next time Be good Be kind Be fun Don't beat Elon Pop Culture Monday.